Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Conversations, where we look at the intersection of relationships, faith, and leadership. I am one of your co-hosts, Michael Clark. And I'm Christian Harden. We're so glad you joined us. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Conversations. So excited that, that you have joined us. And of course, I've got my co-host here in studio. Christian, how you doing? I'm doing good. You know, a little bit of pickleball in the morning, some coffee. Can't go we wrong. We did have staff pickleball. That was great. That was fun. And uh, so I am drinking coffee. I'm actually still drinking coffee left over from my men's small group this morning. Reheated it. I had some Ethiopian so. this morning. Mm, mine's not quite that great. You know, I really like Peruvian coffee. I don't know if you ever had Ooh. it. It's good. High altitude. We will ask our guest today. I see where you're going. <laughs> I'm super excited to um, have Steve calling in via Skype today. Um, Steve, tell us where you're coming from and love to just have you introduce yourself a little bit. Right. I'm drinking coffee too. It's fantastic. Let's go. <laughs> so, uh, it, thanks for asking. It's, it's no, McDonald's. I'm, I'm in Peru. <laughs> it's Arabica <laughs> bean. I'm, I'm uh, I'm sitting at my desk down here in uh, south of Lima, Peru. Okay. And uh, I, like I said, I'm drinking coffee too because for me it's an early morning. And uh, yeah, that's the that's where I'm calling from. So tell our listeners today just a, a little bit about yourself, kind of um, where your journey in life began, where you kind of grew up, and uh, of course we'd love to hear a little bit of just kind of your spiritual journey, kind of interwoven in that too. Um, and uh, kind of how you've ended up where you're at now. Oh, that's a that's a loaded question. It is. So <laughs> where did my journey begin? <laughs> right. Well, I am long-winded, so you'll have to cut me off and um, <laughs> uh, interrupt me and stuff with specific questions, okay? I give you sounds, permission sounds great. to try to interrupt me. To try. <laughs> so I, I, was born, I was born in a small town. And, no, just kidding. Uh, fast forward about <laughs> 20 years. Um, so I... You and I know each other from like fire school ministry, right? right? Or at least Mm -hmm. we're acquainted that way. Uh, I grew up in like a, you know, conservative Plymouth Brethren uh, type of church. Didn't believe in, you know, gifts of the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues or, you know, uh, I had people warn me about this one church outside of town that that was pretty crazy. And uh, eventually I learned exciting. So that's the kind of background I came up in. And I got saved at 15 uh, met some, some people who were carpooling and going down to Pensacola and, uh, you know, well, I mean, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a bit, but from where, where, like where, been a part where did of this you church. live? Ah, sorry for that detail. I'm trying to be concise. No, you're good. <laughs> so I grew up in this, I grew up in um, the middle of cottage country, Ontario in mm. Canada. Mm. All sorts of hockey players come from where I'm from Let's go. and, and a few mus- musicians, uh, I have no idea if Sorry. anyone would know anymore because this is the 90s, <laughs> right? And uh, okay, so um, yeah, so so my you know small town, maybe like 80,000 people. So carpooling and, uh, from like Ontario, two or three Pentecostal churches. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a long trip. So my last year of high school. So uh, I, I I met these friends in my like my last year of high school or so. Uh, I got to be careful for names because of where a couple of them are sure. nowadays in the world as far as safety goes. And um, they would come back with like boatloads of videotapes, right? Like, you know, before yeah. internet, before, well, there was, there was internet back then, but before, you know, really being able to podcast and listen to things directly off the internet and whatnot. And I would borrow these tapes. I liked being around these guys, you know, iron sharpening iron. Um, they were, they, they were different than, 
other Christians I knew. And so I wanted to do whatever they were doing. If they were having a prayer meeting, I'll, I'll go to it. It was, it was like that, right? Kind of like an overweight guy hanging around people who go to the gym all the time. It starts to, you know, wear off on you and you, you start to, you know, get better in better shape. Right. So I was like that guy. Um, the, and, uh, so when I finished high school in 2000, uh, me and one of the other guys were planning on going to, it was the Brownsville revival at the time. Right. And as you may know, um, they, there was this split that happened around that time and it started to become harder to, to communicate and, and get answers from anyone that we, we were talking to. And so I had applied to both schools, right? Like I applied to go to Brownsville and I applied to the fire one. And eventually it kind of dawned on me, I want to go to fire because all the people I'd watched on these videos and stuff, mm. that's the, that's the one they went to. But the Brownsville people were on top of their game and answering me and calling me and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll keep this in mind. Thanks. And, uh, my friend was, was, you know, waiting on fire to get back to to him. And I was like, yep, I know I'm coming. Uh, like, like I just knew in my nowhere, this is where I'm supposed to go next in life and whatever. And, and, um, and I'll keep in mind, I'd only grown up in this, this one place in Ontario. I'd never really traveled much. I've, I've been, I, I know more outside of Canada than I do like just my own province. Right. So um, this is like, you know, I'm 20, I go down to Florida and it dawns on me now as we're talking, that was when 9-11 happened. Yes. Uh, so like, my, so my first semester, like I'm going away to another country for Bible school and it's a different type of place, you know, going from like Plymouth Brethren to Charismatic. Yes. Um, anyway, then um, I wound up going to, to Holland because this guy, Greg Montella and a few other people, um, they'd gotten started a base there. And they would come back and share what's going on. And something just, you know, struck a chord with me where it's like, okay, when I'm done school here, I'm going to go there if they'll have me, you know, if they'll, if they still, you know, it's still the place to go by that time. And um, so I would talk with uh, Greg every time he was visiting and stuff. And he said something once like, you know, we go into these schools and we lead kids to Jesus, um, but we need people to, to disciple them. You know, we've got all these evangelists, but we need teachers. And I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds great because I suck at like evangelism. And, um, but I love to teach and people mm. keep telling me, oh, you're obviously a teacher. You're, you, and um, so like the whole Paul water or one of them plants and the other waters, right? Like I felt like I'm a, I'm a waterer, you know, I can, I can, if that's what you need, then I'm coming. And, um, and I get there and that team was like in dire straits and falls apart. And I, I joke that like, I, as soon as I came over, that stuff ended, <laughs> took a trip back, back down to Charlotte and got my bearings and, and wound up uh, joining their mission agency and going back to Holland, but moving to a different city and working with Dutch people who I knew weren't going to really go anywhere. Like, <laughs> you know, it's their country there. They're, they're going to mm. be here a while. And um, so if there's any fights or splits or whatever, then, you know, you have to work it out because this is like, there's, there's nowhere to go or whatever. You can't just not, not saying that people packed up and, and left, but like, um, so anyway, uh, that lap that lasted about a year, a year and a half, and it was just not, not, the right fit for me either. And um, I was just talking to Dan Slavin last night, who who was a part of that team at the time, and he he was in the city that that all the fire people were um, initially, and we would Skype every night, well, not every night, but we would Skype like more than once a week, and then that's where we wound up starting a, a podcast, and at the time, we would podcast 
and like we would record it and put it online specifically just for other Dutch people we knew in other cities who would not be able to come to Bible studies or things we were doing, but would listen to whatever we were discussing and talking about. And so that's where that started. So you used your first podcast for digital discipleship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. That's cool. Maybe we should like change the focus where it's not, we're not just doing this for like our our Dutch friends, right? But like a mm. more of a global thing and whatever. And then as I like wound up um, uh, going through a process to like just basically leave and uh, took a trip to Peru with my pastor in Canada, um, it dawned on me like, yeah, we need to change the name if I'm going to not be in Hall. Like if, and then um, around that same time, I think like the next year, Dan uh, went back to the States and went back to school. So it's like, if we're both not in the Netherlands, we can't really be doing doing a podcast that's like, <laughs> you know, called Fire Netherlands or whatever. Yeah. But no, we started our podcast from like just as part of discipleship, as part of the uh, um, reaching people we're not going to talk to, see, you know, be face to face with. And, um, you know, with a very small vision at the at the outset. Yes. But it's uh, it's funny because it became a big part of like, like I was just telling him last night, like, because we only did it for like a year or two, but like this thing is a big part of my life in the sense that I learned all these things I've learned about audio and, mm. and then eventually doing audio books and, you know, speaking and, um, uh, learning how to use certain equipment. Uh, it's where it's kind of tied into writing and then eventually, you know, sure. turning blogs into books and, and then, you know, books and impacting people and helping other people for money and tent making. So yeah. anyway, Wow. The question was loaded. I hope I no, didn't go that's too great. Long. So, I, I hear a little bit of um, part of what you shared there that you then ended up going on a trip with your pastor from Canada to Peru. Um, is that was that the start of you were already kind of feeling restless with the the team you were part of there in the Netherlands? But is that what then led you to um, to where you're at now? Yeah, yeah. I, I was listening to another interview I did last night to kind of prepare myself for today. And I was reminded that um, when I spoke with my pastor after that year of being in Rotterdam, the other the other city, so like the second time or the, the second major chunk of my time in uh, Holland, um, I was telling him how I was doing stuff, uh, answering any questions he asked me. And then when we were done, he was like, Steve, you don't believe what you're telling me. And I remember being like, what do you mean? Like, you know, because like old people tend to know better than us. Like, you know, like as far as things go, like whatever I was saying, he, he you know, was seeing through it. And I was like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, well, is something wrong? Like, are you doing all right? And um, and so he, he kind of got me to kind of think about and see, like, I, I might not have really had vision about like what I wanted to be doing there anymore. Or maybe maybe I did not the, at the outset. I don't know. But um, he was he was he was helpful at, at getting me to like kind of determine like do I want to go back and do another year of this, like you know and um, and the answer was no, <laughs> like of yeah. course not, and uh, like I like um, things you know may not have gone as well as I wanted or there was other you know considerations and uh, you know moving off to another culture and all that kind of stuff is not necessarily for everyone is it for me I don't know, so he recommended not going back or not committing to going back you know because I was in Canada for that. Um, that, you know, itinerating or doing the trip to Charlotte and stuff and fundraising. And I suck, I sucked at it. Like I was ne I've never been good at fundraising. And so I thought, oh, well, maybe the problem is I'm just in the wrong location. And, uh, once I, you know, figure out what I want to do, if it's, if it's missions, then maybe I'll, I'll, you know, that'll, that'll help 
lift me up to, you know, be able to do a better job at that if I want to really do this for, for now. And keep in mind, like, you know, I'm in my late twenties, so it's not like I plan on doing it for the rest of my life. You know, at that age, sure. you, you remember like long term is like a few years. Right. So, um, that's right. And so he, rec- so he recommends not going back to Holland, but to take uh, a break and stay, stay put and then go with him on his next trip to Peru, which was coming up in the spring. And so I did. Um, and then when I left his office, I remember knowing, okay, Peru's the next place I'm going to live. And, uh, but I had met these other people, Mark and Anna Burgess, uh, sometime toward the end of that or, or Hmm. overlapping with this. And, um, they were doing a lot more of what I wanted to be doing as far as discipleship, as far as like, Hmm. you know, not like I didn't have this mentality, like I want to do house churches, not real, you know, in a building church and whatever. Mm But they were they were doing a lot more like of this relational stuff that like I was definitely seeing the deficit in my own hmm. ministry, and um, and it was funny as I I introduced these two guys, uh, my my former leader and then and Mark, and it just didn't go well at all and they were looking at each other like what like you know they're, they're asking each other questions and and uh, when my leader left, um, you know Mark was like hey Steve do you got a minute and um, uh, I was like yeah sure he goes. So that, that's, that's your, your leader, right? Like you're nothing like him. I don't, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but like Mm. you two are nothing, you two are nothing alike. How, how did you wind up? um, How did you wind up here together? I I lived in this apartment in like a tourist kind of area of town, a lot easier to kind of integrate into the culture here. If you're like, you know, you, you come just from like Canada or whatever, but Mark and Anna were further South where I am now. And I knew like, well, if I'm, I'm going to do stuff with them, I'll probably have to move down there. Uh, and to be closer and um instead of taking like you know hour-long commutes and stuff mm. and uh, so eventually i did and i met my wife here um i've I don't, i'm not in the same house but i've been in this like neighborhood for the last like 10 years still wow. working with it's been you know it's not without its bumps in the road like you guys sure. know from any industry or whatever but definitely a little more suited to my personality and sensibilities and stuff but and you married a peruvian I, I did, whether That's... that was a good idea or not. Um, <laughs> I hope I hope you both feel like it was a good idea. <laughs> well, I, I joke, but I but there's some seriousness to it because I after getting married and and you know mm-hmm. I, I heard from people that um, intercultural marriages are are more. I I wouldn't know the difference, right? Because I've only been married once, and um, but I was told like intercultural marriages are harder than sure. normal culture, like same culture marriages. So I guess it's true. But sometimes, and sometimes I'm like, yep, yeah, it's true, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously when you get married, you already are bringing your own family cultures to it, even if you're in the same culture. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it just magnifies, I'm sure. But yeah, but I, what's, mean, what's it, funny, I think it's very sorry, beautiful. I I sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you because I was just talking for a long time already. But what's funny is I met her because of this new uh, kind of ministry I joined. And it was just funny how fast all sorts of other things fell into place, mm. um, which you know, don't automatically validate or guarantee like you've made the right decision at something. But it was like, it was, it made it easier to feel like, okay, you know, maybe the first couple of years here, we're just kind of like, I don't know, learning and, you know, and I had this self doubt, like maybe I suck and I I am difficult to work with or something. I don't feel like I am, but maybe that is how other people feel. Cause it didn't go well in, in, in Holland with that first Mm. year. And then he, and then here I am in, um, in Peru, having, but, but I felt like in Peru, some of the challenges I was having here were different. And 
And so, you know, I had to talk to Dr. Peters about like, well, what's going on? Like, are you, and you know, he, he <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk bad about anyone. Right. But he was like, are you sure you're called to the mission field? Hmm. Like, are you really called? And I was like, I don't know. Wow. I, I don't know anymore. <laughs> like maybe if y'all, if all of you are telling me I'm not, maybe I'm not. Wow. I, don't know. I mean, you know, and I've, I've met all sorts of missionaries that, that have had to come off the, the mission field or, yeah. um, there was, uh, you know, this one family I know where they had like this one church that was a huge part of their budget. And that church said, now nah, we're done. And they, they, they scrambled and had to, mm. you know, move back to the States. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to let myself wow. be in that position. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I feel God's, if I, you know, for many years I felt like I'm called here, so I'm not going to let man pull the plug on me if God's the one who's put me here yeah. and I've, yeah. you know, and, and then in my walk with him and in my relationship with him, I've, I've learned the things I've learned and he's taught me the things he's taught me and I have these skills that he's given me and I'm using them to provide for my family and be here and stuff. So it's like, okay. So, you know, I look back at that phone call or that yeah. Skype call rather, maybe I, maybe I'm not a so-called missionary in their paradigm. <laughs> you know sure, what I mean? With the, sure. um, and, uh, but I'm this other thing, but whatever God was that leading is. you into that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, whatever it is God's called me to do, if the word is not to, to use missionary, then I'm fine with that. Two and, big, um, two big questions, Steve, as you're talking about that, <laughs> that, that really come to mind. One, I'm really curious. I'd, I'd love for you to paint the picture or define for us, like what discipleship looks like for you that you've become passionate about that drew you to the community and work that you're now a part of with Mark and, um, so what, what did that look like? Cause you've experienced a number of different things, um, from where you, where you uh, got saved at age 15, uh, back home to going to a Bible school, then to trying to work with a team in the Netherlands, working with a team in Peru, f- still forming all that and finding, you know what, I, I think I'm a better fit here. This is really what I'm passionate about. Um, what does that look like for you? How, and then what is your role? What are, what are you doing in that? Okay. So I still, I still don't know what I'm supposed to do when I grow up. Right. But, um, <laughs> me either, but, but I'm, but the, the, the groove that I found myself in, uh, it looks like this, right? So, um, uh, I, I gotta think of how to share this in a way that's vague to not implicate the guilty. Um, when, so these, so those two leaders, I like when I introduced them, right? Like, like, I think this kind of summarizes, um, how I felt. Um, so my previous leader, he's like asking Mark, uh, what, what books do you use? What courses do you use for discipleship? Hmm. And you know, Mark, Mark's looking at him like, huh? Hmm. There's no courses. We, we have people in our homes. We, um, hmm. you know, we, we have meals together. We do things together. Um, one of the big things we do nowadays, like we play poker every, like men, the men <laughs> in our community, like we play poker on like, uh, every other Sunday night, um, you know, like there, there, there's not like a discipleship course. It's like discipleship happens. Like, you know, Jesus was mm. taking his disciples places with them and doing things. And, um, you know, I, I noticed my first year or so here that like, you know, Mark would ask me to come with him, like to go pick up his kid from school or go run errands. But it was just more like the mentality that, um, mm. discipleship, di- discipleship, like a program rather than, um, relationships and, um, you know, living life together and doing things yeah. together with people. And I remember like our, our team meetings that, that first year or two I was here, um, that all of us were single and there was like one married couple and 
we were told, okay, find people to spend time with this week, minimum two hours. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I'm not talking about like oh, that's church so or Bible study or something, but like just, you know, two at minimum two hours of your time. It can be like four half hours, you know, with, you know, four different people, or it could be like mm-hmm. one, two hour, you know, with the same person, whatever, but just be intentionally looking for how you like somebody who's not as far along in the faith as you are, or they might not even be saved at all yet. And you're pouring yourself into them. You're spending time with them. That's so good. Sorry. I was I was having a conversation uh, just probably about a month ago with a missions pastor from a large church here in town, um, a Baptist church, 8,000 plus members. Um, he came off the field from leading the base in England with uh, the International Mission, Mission Board there. And, you know, one of the things that we were talking about, because he is so interested in just disciple making, he's like, I want to be a part of disciple making movements. And there's just something about institutionalizing things like that, that it automatically loses its grit and effectiveness. And that's what we were just talking about, about how, how even church planning, like there's like this certain plateau you reach and it's like, you know, yes, we want to do things excellent. Yes. We want to do things well, but it's got to maintain that grit relationship. I mean, somehow it like, for me, I look at Jesus. I'm like, he's grassroots by model. Like intentionally grassroots, intentionally relational, like that. That's how it was going to work. Exactly. And I look at the same thing with what we do here, and it's like, man, we can have a lot of a lot of bigger infrastructure and and facilities and things like that. I'm like, no, it would reduce our effectiveness. It absolutely would reduce our discipleship effectiveness. Every Paul, you mm-hmm. know, needs a Timothy, and every Timothy needs a Paul. And um, there's, you know, you've got someone, you know, if you're doing it right, you, you're. You're, you're not, you've, you never arrive, you're getting poured into by someone and you're pouring into someone and that's not institutional, right? That's just kind of like, um, it should just be happening. You've got people in your life that are older and wiser and you're learning from. And so we've got to be mindful and careful yeah. who we're going to listen to. And then yeah. the same thing, like who we're going to do that for. And so I look at it like, a, you know, a pastor on Sunday morning, once a week speaking to 8,000 people doesn't do or provide that necessity. Definitely. I want to come to my second question, but before we do, my co-host Christian is going to take this next segment. We're going to have a little bit of fun here, Steve. Yeah. Hey, Steve. Um, yes. So this is the rapid fire portion of the show where the questions get faster and the answers probably, <laughs> they'll stay a little bit the same. They'll, they'll be slow. We want to hear you talk. Um, so my first question is, do you like movies? Do you like, do you watch movies? I do like movies. I am a bit of a couch potato as far as when my like time off or you know like breaks are concerned. Good. So this one, I know uh, I've, got, I've got the questions. Send them to me. Sweet. <laughs> well, so but I but I phrase it in a certain way. So I want to know your favorite movie, but it's the type of movie where you come in, you turn on the TV, and it's like halfway through the movie, but you don't care. You're gonna watch it because it's your favorite movie. See, I don't have one particular favorite movie. Mm. You can make a couple. But if it's but something that's on that that you're talking about because I've listened to a couple of your podcasts to see what other people say. Yeah. Um any Indiana Jones movie, like if huh. I turn on the TV, okay. Um something that like it doesn't, you know, the the plot's not too hard to follow. You yep. don't need to watch it from the beginning. So like any of these Indiana Jones movies, huh. those are um, fun. Those are fun. Marvel you know, Marvel type of superhero movies. And Indiana Jones. And they're bringing it back. They are. They're doing another one. My kids think I'm going to yep. be in it somehow. Really? Be- yeah, because <laughs> we went to Disney 
I was like in the uh, Indiana Jones on the stage, and they think that that was part of the new movie. I'm like, uh, no, 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 no kids. They, they actually did. They still me. do that. They do. They still do that, do they? Because I remember that when I was a kid. They do. We saw that. Yep. Now my kids get to have the same memory. That's pretty cool. Um, okay. The, my next question is your go-to comfort food. So it's been a long day, uh, maybe maybe a good week, or it could be a rough week, and you just kind of want some comfort food to either celebrate or mm. uh, just kind of make you feel better. And where is this coming from? What Yeah, what comfort? Is it going to be Canadian comfort? Peruvian mm. comfort? How about both? Could I kind of want to hear both. Yeah, like, what, what are you picking? Okay, so I would – my wife would tell you that I just constantly eat wraps – so like pitas or shawarmas or uh, burritos. Like I just, um, she jokes that like I won't, I don't eat things unless it's like wrapped up in like a pita or something. Nice, um, easy to hold. So I don't know if that's true that I would say that's my comfort food as much as like um, I'm on a, uh, I don't know if you can tell because we're not on video, but I'm losing weight. I'm, I'm working out and eating better. And so I like the, just the portions are all figured out. Like if you just make the mm. thing, it's less difficult to yep. overindulge if it's just, it comes in this set size and whatever. And then the final rapid fire question is your favorite uh, outdoor activity. Mm. So if you're working out, uh, do, you, do you like go on runs or you say Canada? A couch potato. Yeah. So couch potato. No, do you play I, hockey? No, I, no, 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 no. Um, no, when I say I'm lazy and I'm a couch potato, that's like my off time. Like I work hard. When you rest. And. Yeah, and then re- I rest hard, and um, so my my workout like I go to a gym like I I've lived near the beach for like ten years, mm. and I if I if I were disciplined to go running on the beach I would have been doing it already, but the psychology of <laughs> pay the psychology of like I pay and I have a membership and I have access to all this equipment, um, I'm gonna go do it so I'm not wasting my time and my my you know membership money. Right. Um, like I, I more so whenever I, I I'm a member at a gym I, I get in better shape because just the living near the beach is not enough to mm-hmm. take advantage of the beach and go running right um so outdoor activity that was what your question was yeah um I don't I don't know that I have one per per se and but I do enjoy um uh you know I walk a lot <laughs> like I just yeah. yeah um if it if if I could you know, if something's going to take a half hour to walk to, then for me, that's the the right amount of time that like, okay, I'll walk instead of taking the bus or driving yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and um, so I, I don't have an activity. I'd have to think yeah. about it some more, Walking's but that, that comes to mind. That's a, that's a real thing. Yeah. I love walking. And it helps me listen to things. It helps, yep. you know, I listen to audiobooks or, or podcasts. I do the same. So it's like. So <laughs> Steve, tell us a little bit more about like you were talking about being discipled uh, in tent making and and realizing that um, you wanted to kind of figure out how not to be dependent upon just outside support as a missionary or someone doing ministry in another country, but how can you continue to make a livelihood? And you figured out some digital ways to do that. Uh, What are some of those things Mm -hmm. that you're doing, you're doing well, um, that you're growing into? Right. So like I'm, I'm still bivocational, but the, the majority or like a large portion of, of, you know, our support, our, our, or sorry, sustenance is, is from the tent making. It is from stuff that like, you know, we got to worry about what country wants to tax me, whatever. And, um, but we still, we still receive some support. Right. And now, uh, where I fell into that groove. 
it's definitely with writing skills. Um, you know, I've okay. ghostwritten, I've, I've done copywriting for people. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I first was doing was, you know, I'd been blogging for free you know, on my own kind of website and stuff for many years. And I started to encounter people who were like, I would love to, you know, they'd say things like, I would love to do what you're doing. I don't have the time or I don't know how or whatever. I'd rather just pay someone. And I'm like, huh? Like, you know what I mean? Like I heard what you just said and um, allow me to present myself. (laughs) Yeah. And um, you said you'd rather pay someone. I'm someone. And um, like, like, I started stumbling upon these kind of ideas or um, because, you know, for a long time I did try to do you know, living on support and having the right amount. And I never did. And, and I'd like, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about food and uh, shelter. And, um, so I, you know, start thinking up kind of ideas or, um, I, I start out doing like WordPress websites for some people like okay. other missionaries or other, yeah. other people where it was pretty easy. Cause I already knew how to do it. Sure. But then I would start, but then I'd start encountering people who wanted like a Ferrari, website for yeah. like Honda Accord budget uh-huh. and it was just just too much stress right like and um uh and then I learned the hard way that like no uh, like other people can make good money doing websites for people and I was charging crap and um already uh you know lowballing myself but then um eventually uh the writing so um this guy that was like discipling me in digital you know stuff um for a while he tried to kind of launch a business or something related to uh like this is like 10 years ago now something phone related and mobile marketing Mm. and you know back then it wasn't as ubiquitous as now but it was obviously going in this direction and um you know turning people's websites into like a more mobile friendly website so it would look good on a phone more responsive Um, you know yeah ads and things for you know digital devices and things and so he, you know, he hired me to basically write this report. Like, you know, I interviewed him and then go and make a report and he was giving it away on his website and, you know, doing a webinar and, you know, people would sign up to work with him and stuff. And so I was like on this kind of retainer hmm. and, and he, he, he would pay me. Uh, and that was kind of like a huge part of my support for like that year. Like as I look back on that time. Um, and then one day he was like, uh, he made me listen to this webinar and writing Kindle books. And um, the way I tell the story is is not that inaccurate, but I got mad watching this webinar hmm. of like these biz- these business people who were like, yeah, I go to Craigslist and I hire someone to write a report and then I just kind of get a cover made and I put it on Amazon and I sell it as a, a Kindle book and I, I've got like 40 of them and, uh, and I'm, I've got this like, you know, empire, you know, this little, and I'm like getting angry, not because like, like I think they're doing anything wrong, but I'm like, if people who aren't writers can make money with like mm. Kindle books, then why am I not when I am a writer? Like when I'm uh. like, why did I never think of this before? So that's mm. what I, I, uh, I, I basically put together my, my first one, um, on divine healing. Cause I already had all these blog posts that I knew mm-hmm. got a lot of traffic. Uh, people were reading and, and, you know, they made for good podcast discussions. So I tested the waters with that first just to, learn the lay of the land, so to speak. Some people don't write a book because of their lack of confidence, but I often work with people who they have too much confidence and you have to pull them back to like realistic expectations. Mm. And so I, so like I, I, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to support myself with like book royalties. And it's like, no, it's, you know, probably a few years of pouring, 
uh, work into like marketing and, and, you know, doing the, the, the making a good finished product. Mm. And it was probably like five years before I started profiting from books of mine. And then if, um, that's self-publishing, right? Yeah. And, um, and then I had someone basically approach me. So there's pros and cons to doing, um, being published. Like you can say I'm published and there's a credibility and people think that's amazing or something, but then you also don't know things <laughs> mm-hmm. like you don't know, like, Oh, but somebody there, my book is on sale. Oh, I didn't know that. Or, um, uh, um, you know, I don't have permission to do things. So I've got these books out there and I started the same thing. I started having people who were like, um, they, you know, ask me for advice and help and whatever. And I realized at some point, I just don't have time to help everyone that asks me, why don't I chart? Like, why don't I have a service? Sure, like, why don't I, sure. um, so along the way I, uh, I, I wound up paying handsomely for some, you know, mentoring and coaching. Um, uh, do you know Chris Evans? Yeah, uh, I do. Yeah. So his, him and Taylor Welch, I guess you might know him too. Mm-hmm. Um, or if not, then just humor me. <laughs> and um, so like I, I joined Client Kit, this thing they started uh, as part of Traffic and Funnels. And um, I, I basically like, you know, my first call with a guy who was like my my mentor in that program. And and we're kind of going over like my, my business plan and, you know, what I could offer with books and stuff. And he's like, Steve, you need to add like a zero to your price. Wow. Like, <gasps> well, nobody's going to pay Steve add a zero. If you, if you want to really like, you know, reach your goals and the things you told me and when, wow. um, you're not going to, you're not going to do it at like, you know, having like a hundred people pay a little bit is useless compared to having like 10 people pay a bit more or like one big client. Like, yeah. you know, and, and, um, and so I, you know, I was starting to see that like I was working with other broke Christians and, um, mm. you know, overextending myself for like peanuts because yeah. I'm like, well, better to have, better something than nothing. Well, in light of our time, I, I want to ask one last question, but if you could answer it in just a couple of minutes. Um, I'll try. I'll try. Yes, uh, <laughs> we're, we're wrapping up, but uh, what would you go back and tell your 21-year-old self? Don't take out your mutual funds to pay for tuition at fire. <laughs> oh, man. That's a tough lesson learned. Or or in, or invest, like, you know, invest yeah. already um, in, in things. Just something like that. Um, yeah. So something financial. 20, um, yes. Because that's definitely, you know, uh, you know, like there's there's still traces of like a poverty mentality I have mm. from years of being on the field and broke and whatever. And I think even in the church, a lot of the body of Christ has an unhealthy relationship to money. Sure. So if, if it's not if it's not like poverty as a virtue, then it's like the prosperity um, extreme, you know, like... Um, you know, you know what I mean? Like the, that so-called prosperity gospel. And so I, I would go back probably and, and tell myself, no, don't, don't do that. Like, yeah. uh, it's not, it's not like I would be affluent or something off of whatever that mutual fund would be today. But just the idea of, of, um, mm. sowing things that reap later sure. as far as the findings, I, I really wish I'd, um, had better sense back then, than. I would do, I, you know, that's what I go back and tell myself, right? That's good. That, is, so that, something, that was something, not expected. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us and getting up early in Peru to join us here live uh, <laughs> to record. And um, 
But we're so grateful for our listeners as well that I'm sure have been blessed uh, to hear your story and just how unique it is and how God's using you uh, in a community of discipleship and, and relationship. And uh, sometimes that looks like poker every other Sunday, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. that um, it looks like tent making to uh, be to be present. So super excited to just to have this um, for our listeners as well. And so listeners, if you're on now and you want to reach out to us, podcast at kiko k i c k o dot org. You can reach out to us and uh, let us know uh, what you thought about today's and what you would like to hear in the future. But until next time. 